This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. um, Stroke a number of weeks ago, and so he's just visiting with his parents. Um, You know, we all only get one mom and dad, so you can be praying for him. He was hoping to actually be here this morning, but his flight left earlier than the service, so... You can pray for him as um, we just get the wisdom of the Lord. I mean, this is, this is kind of like real-life family stuff, right? We have things in our families that we need the wisdom of the Lord for. And, uh, yeah, so if you're thinking about us, you can pray for us as we're praying for you. Okay, I want to talk today about what does it mean to be strong. Have you ever heard the vernacular, um, that person is so strong? And usually um, what we mean by that when we say something like that is um, we think of a stoic person who is with able to withstand inordinate amounts of strength um, without losing their, li- their, their minds, right? That's what we think of when we think of a strong person. I personally think um, when someone says someone's so strong, the first thing that comes to my mind, and you can laugh and send me letters about this, is Captain America. Um, I know it's not spiritual, but he does have that, like, that shield that all of us wish we could have, particularly on the deer foot when things are flying at your, at your windshield. I, I think of this like superhuman kind of strength. And in, in this definition of strong, you usually have to endure some kind of real tragedy um, without crying to get that badge, right? You get the badge, you are really strong if you went through something hard and you didn't cry or wail. But, um, and I, I think the thing is, we come to this understanding of strength very early in our culture. Um, When I was eight, my uncle died. It was my first real brush with death, and it was kind of unexpected. And I can remember um, my mom told me when I was in the car coming home from school, and I remember, like, just feeling emotionally overwhelmed. I was eight years old. It was one of my favorite uncles. And I ran up to my room, and I cried my eyes out, as you would expect an eight-year-old to do. But I can remember at eight years old thinking, well, you better be strong now for your parents. I don't know where I got that. My parents didn't say that to me. I don't know where I had that thought, but it struck me this week, as I, or a couple weeks ago, as I was thinking about this, that this is something that's very clear in our culture, that we're supposed to be strong like that. But the question is, how does that work for most of us in the real world most of the time? Where does the kid who found her da- dad after a drug overdose come to the conclusion that being hard and tough would be the best idea? Where does the single mom of three kids get the idea that strength is picking their family up on their back and having to do everything by themselves? In some ways, I think that we can see that this definition of strength is what's causing so much anxiety in our world. Because we all have this idea that no matter what we're going through, like really what the best thing to do is just to be strong and like muscle our way through it. The truth is, most of us can't. Most of us can't muscle our way through it. We don't have the emotional constitution to do that. We're natural criers. Are any of you natural criers here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some of you admit that. And why is it that ladies can admit that and like all the men are like, I haven't cried since 1982. <laughs> Very proud of that. Some of you, Hallmark season is about to be upon us. And you are getting an extra supply of Kleenexes. This is how you were built. Um, see, but 
The problem is for most of us, we can't be strong like we think of the Captain America strong, like nothing will budge us. And it, if we hold on to that, like if we can't do that, it often leads us to shame. Like we feel ashamed that we're kind of broken down. We feel ashamed that we come to church and lose the plot during worship and we cry and we have to come to the front. And get There's shame involved in that. And if we live in shame long enough, it leads us to anxiety. Many of you are dealing with anxiety partly because you've just had so much shame for so long. And this um, leads us to the Bible today. All throughout scripture, God commands his people to be strong. Like this is an over and over again refrain. Um, he keeps telling them to be strong. And I, I think sometimes we've done one of two things with these scriptures. We've thought to ourselves, some of us think this, well, God can't really mean that. He's not really authoritarian or mean like that, so it must, like the Hebrew must have been an incorrect, um, <laughs> it must have been an incorrect thing because God couldn't be like that. Or, um, Conversely, we just read these scriptures where God's telling people to be strong and we think, well, it can't be for me. Or the shame is piled on. We read the scriptures and think, well, I'm not strong. So then we feel shame and then that actually, like I've often wondered why don't, you know, the stats are that Christians don't read their Bibles very much. And I know not here, other places in Christendom. But I often wonder if some of the reasons we don't actually read our Bible is because sometimes we read it and we feel shame. Like we feel like we can't live up to that. So we just think, okay, well, I'll start that tomorrow. I'll start my yearly Bible reading plan tomorrow. But what if our definition of strong and God's definition of strong are not the same thing? What if there was a way for us to be strong without losing our sense of self, without becoming robots or merely caricatures of real life people? And what if strength is exactly what the world is looking for right now? I don't know much about architecture. Some of you are architects in this room, so you're gonna excuse me and you can write me a note about it this week. But I do know a little bit, my, my family moved a lot because my mom liked to like kind of redo houses and things. And we would go to like open houses and like, I don't know how they towed us all around to do this, but then my mom would get into a house and she'd be like, if we bought this house, my poor dad would be like melting. She's, we could knock out this wall and then we could knock out this wall and we could tear up these floors. Do any of you have a penchant to do this? There's apps for that problem now. You can just pretend you're doing it. You don't have to do it in real life. But anyways, I, I learned a little bit about load-bearing walls, that you can't actually knock out a load-bearing wall because then the whole house collapses. And it's not exactly what you want to do on a reno. And um, I was thinking about this a little bit because I, I think the world is looking for load-bearing people, people who actually hold the constitution of the world together. Jesus said it kind of in a, in a way. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light in the world. And he wasn't just talking about like random, he was talking about the people of God. You're the salt of the earth. I think the world is looking for people who have strength. So we've got to get a definition of what, what it, does it really mean to be strength, to be strong. Okay, so this morning I want to look at a scripture found in Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. Haggai is in the Minor Prophets, just at the end of the Old Testament. It's a tiny book. Haggai chapter 2. Let's read starting at verse 1. It says, On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, 
Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shetel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask him, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when, I came, when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Okay, let me give you a little bit of background on this passage. So the children of Israel have been in captivity for 70 years. Uh, most of us don't have um, a clue. Five years ago, if I had preached this, we really would have no clue, but I mean, we have a little bit of clue of some little bit of heart, a little bit of hardship. Now, by a little bit, I mean like, you know, if your Netflix went down, <laughs> it was hard the last couple of years. But they've been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. This is enough for two generations to be born and know nothing but captivity. And um, now they're looking over the ruins of Jerusalem. Okay, imagine leaving your house for 70 years. There wouldn't be much left. There'd be things growing in places that, there, that you might have things growing in places that shouldn't be growing right now too, but imagine 70 years of that. Okay, so it's, it's a long time. And uh, the prophet Haggai says, how does it look to you now? There's all these rhetorical questions in the Bible that are meant kind of to be funny, by the way. The, by the way, if you listen to the Bible uh, audio, some of you do that and it's helpful to you, but I really want someone who's a comedian to, like if you're a comedian and you've got a good voice, could you please sign up to like read the Bible? Because there are parts of the Bible that are funny, but if you hear it in this, how do you see it? Now? Like, this is kind of a, like a rhetorical question. If you left your house for 70 years, how does it look to you now? Well, terrible. The answer is terrible. It looks terrible. There's nothing left. There's just ruin everywhere. And um, you can almost feel the pressure right here, right in this passage that the Israelites were under. They haven't been there for 70 years, and now Haggai's going, okay, everybody, how does it look to you now? And everybody's responding with terrible. And then God responds by saying, okay, get to work. Everybody be strong and get to work. Um, they'd been in captivity for so long that it, it probably wasn't even described as pressure that they were feeling, but more like depression, um, have you ever started a big project that just seems very overwhelming and you don't know where to start and what normally happens, I mean, okay, some of you are not like this, but I sometimes am like this. When I have a project that feels overwhelming and I don't feel like I can do it, what I do is I think about it more. I make a to-do list for the project that I am dreading doing. Does anybody do this? And then you think that the to-do list is not strong enough yet. I have to have a to-do list for the to-do. And you know, this, this is a lot of pressure. If you have something you don't want to do, this is a little, your garage is calling to you this afternoon. I don't know if you've um, ever felt, looked on, upon something and thought, look, looked at the picture of your life and just looked at it and it looks like barrenness. Like you don't know how you're going to build something that is worth anything. I think all of us, if you've ever, like, <laughs> if you've lived in the world for five minutes. Um, I, I, I've been there many times. When we pastored our very first church, when, I first, when they first let me be a lead pastor somewhere, I was a ripe old 23 years old. I knew a lot of things. 
you're 23, I know you know, you, you definitely know more than I did back then. But I, um, I got in my very first office and had my very first desk and it seemed very fancy. And I, uh, we had been voted in the morning, the morning before the church took us. I, I don't know, it's really, it's a mystery to me too. So they took us and um, I got in there and I got a phone call, my very first phone call. And I pick up the phone thinking that it's gonna be somebody wanting to come to Jesus or wanting me to go anoint them with the, like do pastoring things. No, it was the CRA. And the CRA was on the other end of the line saying, uh, hello, um, you, I just, and it was a person with a very firm voice, I can't do their voice, but you owe $25,000 or 20,000 and change. So I swallowed like I just did right now. (laughs) And I thought, oh, okay, well I guess pastors have $20,000 sitting around. I didn't know, like maybe, maybe, and then I went down to uh, someone who was my secretary and I said to her, Pat, what was the offering this Sunday? Now, I just need to back it up the train and tell you that we were pastoring an inner city church where most, many people were, were homeless. So Pat said she did the total and she said, oh, it was a great morning, $210. Okay, okay. I remember I, I walked out of my office because I thought I can't, I can't, the pressure is like so much and I stood on the outside of our little like storefront church on the sidewalk and I thought, I think I've come here to fail. I've absolutely come here to fail. This is not gonna be my career. I should probably look in the help wanted ads. It just felt hopeless, hopeless. I didn't know what to do. Well, anyways, as the Lord does, he pulled through. But in that moment, I just felt like, listen, there were times in the pandemic when I would come in here, when I would come in here and preach in the cold to like nobody. And I'd have to try to tell jokes. I mean, some of you have put up with watching those. I try to tell jokes to the camera and like the worst. You're laughing at your own self, the worst. And some of you can say amen, it was the worst. Oh, I was so stressed. And I, I can hear these voices of Haggai saying, look, what does it look like to you? Like nothing, like nothing. Like, I don't know, like will anybody ever come back to church? Will, Will we ever get out of this again? And maybe there are parts of your life where you've thought of that. You look at your kids that you spent decades raising and you look at them, their lives right now and it maybe looks like chaos. And you feel like giving up. But what does God say to people when everything looks like chaos? God says, be strong. Do the work. But God, that wasn't exactly what I was looking for. I was looking for you to feel sorry for me. Nope. God says, be strong. Do the work. Now, this isn't the only time that God has said this to his people. Haggai chapter 2 is not an isolated scripture. Um, When Joshua, there's another story in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua's a young leader, we're told, and he's standing on the, ed- the edge of the Jordan with like millions of Israelites who we know, in re- we know because we've already read Exodus, that they're like problematic people, okay? They're crabby, they're whiners, <laughs> they're you and me, okay? So we're all on the edge of the Jordan and things are not going well, imagine yourself. And Joshua is there. Now we read this scripture in Joshua chapter one, often in retrospect. So if you don't know the story, here's how the story goes. Joshua's nervous, he can't get it together. But in retrospect, what happens is he steps into the Jordan and God does a miracle. Okay, 
We often read Joshua 1 and 2 kind of together, and we think, well, we know God did a miracle, so whatever, Joshua. But I want you just for a moment to picture yourself as Joshua. You don't, you're like a young leader. You're untested. You're untried. And you got all these people in a raging river. And God says to Joshua, not once, not twice, but three times, Joshua, be strong and courageous. He's telling him to be strong. What was God saying? Like, stop crying and get it. What, What was God saying to him? Over and over again, he said, be strong and courageous because you're going to lead these people to inherit the land I swore to them to to give to them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave gave to you. Do not turn to the left or to the right. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You see, um, God calls us to be strong. He's not really interested in the outcome. You know, that's what Joshua 1 tells me. Whatever you're dealing with right now, I, I need you to hear the voice of the Lord to you today, speaking to you to be strong, do the work. When Solomon's about to build the temple in First uh, Samuel, uh, in Second Kings, uh, God says the same thing to, to Solomon. He doesn't think that he, he's living in his dad's shadow. Some of you are living in your parents' shadow. He's living in his dad's shadow. He doesn't think he can ever live up. And God says to him, you're going to build the temple, be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. All throughout the Old, Old Testament, God's yelling at people. He's not yelling, speaking strongly. Emphatically, if you look at the Hebrew, you'll often notice that when God is speaking to be strong, it's not like a soft, you know how sometimes I'll tell you that where Jesus was speaking in places, he's using um, a, a verb in Greek that makes it soft. He's being soft. When God is speaking to be strong and courageous, it's an emphatic way of speaking. He's telling them, be strong and courageous. And even in the, I know some of you right now are like, well, you haven't even mentioned the New Testament, so maybe. But even in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter six, after Paul has told all of us to put on the armor of God, he, he then says this, finally, like after you've put on the armor of God, after you've clothed yourself with the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So God is in the business of commanding his children to be strong. So the question remains, (laughs) God is telling us to be strong, but how? How do we be strong? Oh man, I I asked myself this question for weeks. What does it mean for us to be strong? Usually when I hear verses about, you know, be strong and courageous, usually um, the preacher will often talk about being courageous because there's like, there's like, you can figure out how to be courageous, right? Look your fear in the face and carry on. These are good things, but what does it mean for us to be strong? I think there's a few things that we can learn, and we're going to look at this passage from Haggai as a, as a roadmap. First thing is this, if we're going to be strong, we must be people who live in the present, right here in the present. Okay, what's interesting is that this chapter in Haggai has a corresponding chapter and it tells you a little bit more details of like how it all went down uh, in the book of Ezra and um, in the book of Ezra chapter 3 they started to build the temple so Haggai says how does it look does it look to you and like everyone's basically like it looks terrible but they somehow get enough strength to like start building the temple and they they start the foundation in Ezra chapter 3 they start this foundation now if you build a house and you 
like if we were building a church and we just laid the foundation, we would know that there's a lot more work to go, right? Like that's just the beginning. So Ezra chapter three is when they're building the foundation. And the word of God tells us that they came together for a celebration to celebrate, yes, we're building the foundation, we're actually gonna do this. There's a bit of a plot twist, because in this celebration, there were people that decided that the foundation that was here before was way better. The foundation that we had before was way stronger and way bigger. And the Bible says that these people, in Ezra chapter three, it says that while many, uh, uh, but many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sounds of shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made so much noise. Okay, so, and, and it says that they could hear them far way off. So, so what we find here is that there were people that were actually so sad that it wasn't like it was before, that they, like they didn't just have like a pretty cry. They, they cried ugly, like they were like, ah, ah, for the sound, for the sake of your ears, I won't, I won't demonstrate. But like they were crying so loud that people could hear them far away. Now there were also people cheering, but there were, people, there were enough people crying that you couldn't tell, is this a bunch of people crying? Or this, this tells me something that sometimes when the Lord asks us to be strong right here in the present, what we want to do is be strong and go back to what was formerly. This is an important word for us to hear right now. I was talking to somebody uh, just before the service and we were saying like, well, we're not going to go back to normal. We're certainly not. I mean, we don't even want to go back to normal. But for some of us, we're yearning for what it was in 2019. And the Lord is saying to you today, be strong and do the work. So you start getting to work and things start to look a little bit different and then what you want to do is kind of cry about it. Like it's not like it used to be, like my friends aren't the same. Have any of you had a wholesale shift in like some of your people? Yeah, it's a bit painful, isn't it? It's really painful. But what we cannot do if we're going to live in the strength of the Lord is live with the rear view mirror. You're gonna crash your car. And the book of Philippians tells us that we, we look forward to what God is doing. Okay, so if we're gonna have the strength of the Lord, we gotta look, we gotta live right in the present, right where you are. Where are you right now in your life where you're trying to like hang on to the past? Are there places in your life that you're trying to hang on to the past, you're trying to get back there? Can I just let you hear the voice of the Lord saying, be strong and do the work. Look forward to what God has. Second thing um, that we have to do if we're gonna be strong is we gotta live with conviction. I wish that I could tell you, I wish that I could stand here and say that every minute of, every, of all of my life, I've lived with such strong conviction that I would be lying. And I'm in church, so actually, it wouldn't matter if I was in church, so I'm. Do you know, um, for the children of Israel to actually move forward, to actually be strong and do the work, they were gonna have to get a conviction that God was still with them, even in the ruin. To get a conviction means that you get, like, serious about something. You actually say, yep, I'm, nope, I'm gonna believe this. Nope, I'm going forward with this. 
For some of us, it is easy to live um, all of our life in sort of wishy-washy territory. So like, like, hear me, let me just speak this, and I, I've said this before, doubt is not the opposite of faith, it's not the opposite of conviction. We've said this before, that doubt is like having one foot poised, but the ditch side of that is that we would live always in this gray area and never get conviction about anything. I wanna call us to be a people who get conviction about what it is we believe, where we're going. Now this doesn't mean that we have like certainty that everything is gonna turn out, but it does mean that, you know the difference between when you live in conviction and when you don't? Let me give you an example. So a few months into, um, well maybe it was a year, into the pandemic. Man, I just had a few weeks where I felt like I was losing my grip of conviction. I was saying things to Dave like, I don't know, like maybe, maybe the Lord hasn't called us to do this. Like it was just, if I'm just honest, it was hard. It felt like every time I opened my mouth, I'd be like wondering, I wonder what I should say. Maybe I should say nothing. Maybe I should, I just should smile. I should lay down. I should, I should just sleep for the next three years. <laughs> And um, we were walking, Dave and I, we, we, bought a, we bought a polar bear dog, I've told you about this, and our polar bear dog needs to be, he's not a polar bear, but he's as big as a polar bear. <sighs> we didn't know he was gonna be that big, and he needs a lot, of, a lot of kilometers of walking. And we're walking, and I'm kind of like, um, if I'm really honest with you, I was sort of, com I was complaining. I was absolutely complaining. I was just complaining, and, I was, and Dave stopped and turned to me and said, so you're either, you're either gonna be, have the conviction of the Lord that this is what God has called us to do, or we're gonna end this right now. Not, not our marriage, just, just those of you that have got a bit worried there. <laughs> no, not our marriage, just we're gonna end doing this. We're not gonna have this discussion anymore. And I'm gonna tell you my feelings were hurt. <laughs> My feelings were hurt, like what? But I will tell you that there are times in your life that you need people in your life to tell you the truth, who will look at you squarely in the eyes and say it's time to get some conviction about that. What is it that you are going to believe? I love the passage in Joshua where Joshua says, hmm, I don't care what the rest of you all are gonna do, whatever you're gonna do, that's fine. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're gonna believe God that he's gonna breathe. We're gonna believe that God, that there is more in the future than there was in the past. We're gonna believe that our God is still a God of miracles. And you know, something came on me on that path. It's a good thing none of you passed me at that point. <laughs> Would have been a weird conversation. Uh, it's, like, it's like the strength of the Lord came on me. Like I just decided, no, we're not, we're not gonna live, I'm not gonna live wishy-washy anymore. No, I, I'm just gonna make the decision. Some of you need to hear this today. Some of you have been living sort of like in a gray zone for a long time. And maybe I could be the person on the path as you are not walking your polar bear dog who says to you, it's time to get some conviction about something. Some of you, you've sort of been on the, like I'm checking out Jesus for all this, I'm not really sure. I just, I wanna call you to be people of conviction. Sometimes we have to make a decision that says, I'm going to stop meandering and I'm going to make a straight path forward. Historically, this is what the children of Israel did. So in Haggai chapter two, Haggai says to them, what do you see? They all, the, it's a rhetorical question. They see nothing, they see decay, they see decline, they see awfulness. 
And then God says, be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. And to get the children of Israel, and if you read Ezra and Nehemiah, they're great passages to be reading. If your life is in ruins, some of the greatest passages and books you can read are the books of Ezra and Nehemiah because they remind us about what it means to rebuild. Some of you have had terrible tragedy befall you. You've had a marriage that's crashed and burned. You've had a career that's crashed and burned. You've had expectations that have crashed and burned. And now you are in rebuilding mode. I want you to get the conviction of the Lord today. The Lord would speak to you, be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. Don't give up. Don't go into sleep mode. And then, if we're going to get this strength, this is is probably the most important part. We gotta understand where that strength comes from. So, so God says this, like be strong and do the work. But then he actually like gives them a little bit of a, like a, it's sort of like a plot twist. Be strong and the, do the work because I am with you. Because it's not you doing it anyways. Because, because you, you don't have what it takes, but I do. And because you are connected to me, you can be strong and do the work. Some of you, as I, as I was speaking about be strong and do the work, you think, well, I, I can't. Great, awesome, because God's gonna do the work anyways. It's him who does the work. Over and over again, all throughout the Old Testament, whenever God speaks to the people of God about being strong, he actually always follows it up, and you can study this in, in your, if you look at a concordance this week on BibleGateway.com. Um, he always follows it up by saying, because I am with you, because I am your rear guard, because I am your shield, because I am your very present help in trouble. We get to do the work. We get to partner with God. But it's similar to my kids asking me, when they were really small, they'd always ask me, Mom, can we bake today? You remember when you, if you had kids, remember when they'd say that? And they weren't really meaning that. They were meaning, Mom, can you make a big mess in the kitchen? And you will do it, and I will lick the bowl. <laughs> Just like glorified bowl lickers. That's what children are. <laughs> I was making gnocchi yesterday, and that truly means that I've become an Italian person. I am not Italian, only by food and marriage. And my kids were like, oh, Mom, we really want to help you. No, they did not. <laughs> they did not want to help me. Julian, actually, he is in the sound booth today, and he, is a, he did help me. But it, it's almost, he's graduated from high school. I mean, he's a man now, and he'll help me now. My other kids looked at the potatoes boiling, and they were like, this, if you don't know what gnocchi is, it's like a little dumpling. It's made out of potatoes and flour. Okay, my kids looked at the potatoes, and they were like, Oh, Nokia's potatoes? Oh, I don't know. No, I don't. No, I'm not helping you. But then when the food came on the table, this is the interesting thing. I helped mom make that. They, they were all like, we always do this thankfulness thing at our, at our dinner table, like, what are you thankful for? I mean, I think every one of them, I was really thankful for this meal I made. <laughs> I mean, 
they're one, they are wonderful children. They are wonderful. But like my feet, like I was so tired because I decided that what would be a really smart idea would be to make 20 pounds of potatoes and gnocchi. No, that wasn't a smart idea. The point being that when God asks us to be strong and we say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll sign up for that, we're basically glorified bowl lickers, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and like you look at your life and think, ah, oh, I'm so strong, I made it through. No, you did, you did not do, you just stood at the table and went, I'm not sure if I like this, what's going on? <sighs> and it's that way by design. God designed it that way. God designed it so that you couldn't do it. Good for you, you're not good at doing your life. Excellent. <laughs> good for you, you make a mess everywhere. God designed it that way because he, he never wanted us to get mixed up with us like a form of humanism. I'm worried about evangelicalism, that it's become a form of humanism at some level. That we've sort of said, like, we can pull ourselves up and we can do it ourselves. No, we can't. Be strong and do the work, God says. Stand beside me and watch me do the work. I am the one that's going to blow on your life. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have to come to the table. We absolutely do. It is inappropriate for you to say that you made the meal if you did nothing. <laughs> if you just didn't even come to the table, you didn't even try to pretend. Some of us need to get to trying to pretend a little bit. We need to say, yep, God, I'm going to be strong and do the work. What would you have me do? And God might ask you just to crack an egg into that bowl. Try not to get any shells in it. But if you do, God will fish them out. because I'm taking this metaphor too far. Okay. <laughs> I don't have Dave here to be doing this to me right now on the front row. You know, if you ever get bored while I'm speaking, by the way, a thing that you can do is look over to Dave and watch that he does like kind of baseball signs to me. And he was worried that I was going to be here by myself. Anyways. Okay, praise God. Okay, finally, if we're going to be strong, we're going to be strong. So we live in the present. We've got to live right Right here, right now. Not, not looking in the rearview mirror. Right here, right now. What is God doing in your life? Right here, right now. We gotta live with conviction. Square our shoulders back and say, it might look like a mess right now, but I believe God is calling me to be strong and do the work. I have heard his voice. I'm living with some kind of conviction about that. <laughs> we understand that we don't, we just, get to, we just get to come along for the ride with God. And finally, we gotta live by faith. So Joshua, standing on the Jor Jordan, river, right? God says, be strong and courageous. But at some point, Joshua had to take a step into that river. It wasn't like God said, okay, now, Joshua, I'm going to give you a four-point plan about how it's going to go with contingency plans. If it doesn't work out very well, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to also give you a PowerPoint presentation to show you how it's going to fit. No, Joshua had no clue. Like, what if he had stepped in the river and nothing had happened? He had to, at some point, step in the river. Some of us need a little bit of a nudge to just step in it. Where do you need to have faith? Where is it in your life that you're looking for, a f you're looking for total certainty? <laughs> Are any of you like that? I'm a little bit like that. I want to, I want to know that something is really going to work. Like, if, you're if I'm going to, if I'm going to take time out of my busy schedule, I better know that this is going to work. Anybody else like this? Yeah. Except for the book of Hebrews tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if there's nowhere in your life that's requiring faith right now, I want to suggest that you're not stepping further enough out. That you're perhaps further back on the banks, like you might still be on the grassy knoll. Where is it that you are required to have faith? Some, some of you, right away as I speak this, you can, 
you, you know that you should apply for that job promotion, but you're nervous and you want God to say, thus saith the Lord, apply today. I mean, maybe you could take that as your... <laughs> but God doesn't work that way. He requires that we operate by faith. He requires that we say, I can do it. I, I mean, I, you can do it, Lord, so I'm gonna step out. So let me ask you this. When was the last time you took a big step of faith somewhere? Think about that for a second. When, when was the last time you heard the Lord saying, be strong and do the work, and you thought, okay, okay, I'm stepping out, and you were nervous. You, how you'll remember this is you'll think about how nervous you were. Think back to the last time you were a bit like, oh. <laughs> this is how, this is what actual living, sh this, Christians should be really fun and exciting because we should be always trying to live by faith like this. Now, I'm not saying do wild, crazy things that are without wisdom. But, but if, you, if you are living a life without adventure right now, can I suggest that it could be that you gotta listen for the voice of the Lord saying, be strong, do the work. Step out in faith. You can do it because I am with you. I'm just gonna ask the band to come back. So the question is, what if I'm weak? What if I'm weak? What if I'm hearing be strong, but I actually know I'm weak? It's where um, 1 Corinthians 1.27 reminds us, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. Now that is not a call for us to remain weak, by the way. Like just from a theological, exegetical point of view, it's not a call for you to like, oh great, you're weak, praise God, just stay weak. No, it's a, it's a call for us to, to be strong in the power of the Lord, not because you're something else, because you're weak. Second Corinthians 12 verse 10 says, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Hmm. It's interesting that your weakness actually, like when you're, like, like don't just read that like a poem. Like sometimes I think we read it like, then I'm weak, then I'm strong, I could turn it into a song. We don't, we don't actually like, for when you're weak, think about where you're weakest. You probably had to think for about three seconds. Think about where you're weakest. It's in these places that God actually speaks to you. Be strong. Do the work. Because I am with you. This is the amazing thing. Like without Jesus, listen, listen. Without Jesus, you're just in the world with your strengths and your weaknesses. And your weaknesses, just you just have to like try to cover them up. Like everybody go into like cover-up mode. But with Jesus, actually something happens that makes us whole people. Because we can say, yeah, okay, I've got some strengths. You all have strengths. But I also have weaknesses. <sighs> Just mean we like. It says we, we're to delight in those weaknesses. Think about that for a second. We're to delight in those weaknesses because it's there that he can blow his strength into us. This morning, here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet. In the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says this 
in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12, he says, therefore, strengthen your legs. Strengthen your, your hands and your weak knees. He actually commands us to do that. He's speaking to the people who are feeling, the church who's feeling weak. The people are, the church is just the people, right? It's like speaking to you and I saying, I know you feel weak, but what you're to do now is to strengthen, strengthen your hands that hang down. It's this picture of people feeling discouraged. And today I want, I want, to, I want to declare the same thing to you. I want to call you to the same thing. Strengthen Strengthen yourself today. And we do that by saying, God, I know that I am weak, but in you, you can bring strength to me. Some of you came in here feeling discouraged today, feeling just really weak. Some of you came thinking, I'm just going to give church one more chance. And like, if something like supernatural happens, then maybe I'll think about coming back. I want you in this moment to say, God, would you strengthen me? God, would you strengthen me? Would you bring your strength, your supernatural strength to me? Because God, the same way that he looked at the children of Israel looking at a 70-year-old ruin, saying the same thing to you and I, be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. Even when you don't feel like it, be strong and do the work. When you feel tired, be strong and do the work. When you feel discouraged, when you're under anxiety, and, and when you've got, be strong and do the work because I will be with you. All across the place today, could you just close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment? There's some of you that are are here today. I I mean, I feel urgency about this. There's some of you that feel uh, just, you feel weak. And you're saying, Jess, I, I need the strength of the Lord. I need God to come and bring me supernatural strength. If that's you this morning, could you just lift your hands? I, I wanna pray for you. Yeah, all across the place. Yep, 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 yep. Some of, you, some of you don't want to admit it because you, you think that that's weakness. Some of you, your marriage feels weak. I, I, I want you to just be able to say, God, I need your strength. Father, I pray for every hand that's lifted today that you would come and be the lifter of our heads, that you would bring us strength today, supernatural strength. For those of us that are feeling weary, God, I pray that you would breathe life and hope God, for the person that feels like they cannot be strong enough. Today, God, I pray that you would remind us that you, actually you are our strength. And Jesus, we just thank you that we're gonna give you all the praise and all the glory for what you do for our lives. Because God, we know that in our weakness, you are strong. In our weakness, you are strong. So I'm praying that people would strengthen their arms that hang down, that you would strengthen our arms that hang down. You would strengthen our weary legs and that we would go forth in power. In Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask just some of the prayer team to come. I just think there's something powerful about us praying with one another. Can the prayer team just come just as we're gonna close in worship? I know we've gone a bit long today. But if you're here today and you, you need the strength of the Lord, the thing is, we're better together. This is not a one-man show where you can just like, if you need prayer, let me just call you to, to, to a safe place. The people that want to pray for you today are going to
pray safely with you and they're gonna speak to your spirit. So just would you come as we just end in worship this morning. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.